You're listening to the Movement is Medicine show, a podcast hosted by Head to Toe Spine and Sports Therapy, a modern chiropractic and manual therapy practice in Edmonds, Washington. Now, let's get into the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome. What's Thank up, you, Bear? Barry. Hey, Bear. Hey, How's hey. everybody doing today? Pretty doing good. good? Yeah. Doing very good. Feeling strong? Killing it. Strong. Oh, yeah. Looking strong. Yeah. Ready for another pod. Yeah. Yeah, cruising through the week. That's I right. love it. I love it. So today we're going to continue on in part of our body part series, and we're going to we're we're talking about Achilles tendon today. Yeah, it's a popular one lately. It's been happening a lot. Been seeing it a lot, and we'll probably see it more now that it's getting towards springtime. Yeah. So let's get into the Achilles because I feel like it's one of those things that we again we don't think about it that much until we have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Some people don't even know what it is to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> So that that calf, obviously, you, you know where the big meaty part is, just below the knee in the back. If you keep going down to right above your heel, where it's like a really ropey kind of tendinous area, that's the Achilles tendon, that big old bunch of tissue there. And that's not just one muscle. That's like 12 different muscles coming in to conglomerating together, attaching to the top part of your heel, and then going on the underside and becoming your plantar fascia. So oftentimes, we'll also see plantar fasciitis with this complaint as well. There's a couple different ways it's going to present, whether that's right where it attaches on top of the heel, could be right at the bottom of the heel, um, but also the musculotendinous junction, which would be right in the middle of that calf pretty much. And that's one, obvious, that one is actually the most important one to get checked out. If you're having pain right in the middle of your calf, especially after running or moving around, that's going to be something that's a red flag you want to get addressed. Yeah, right off the bat too, especially if you are starting to notice that calf pain or anything like that, right at that junction, like Lee was saying, we notice so much tightness at that junction with a lot of people that we treat. But if you are starting to notice that, that's a great time to kind of like get that addressed now because eventually that pain can start to work its way down, go to the heel, and then eventually to that plantar fascia, and then you get that typical plantar fasciitis like he was talking about. So definitely where it starts in that calf, that's a great thing to start to pay attention to and be cognizant of, especially if you are a runner or doing anything that's high impact like that. Probably see this a lot in basketball. Oh, I mean... Achilles issues and calf issues? I think so. With and the I jumping think and the running. Absolutely. It's very like repetitive overuse type of injury. Um, and I mean, maybe not so much in like our younger folks, but I think... It's because a it's bit. more resilient? I mean, I'd like to think so. Yeah. But like folks that are, you know, a lot older, maybe like high school into college... Um, yeah, definitely see a little bit Certainly more Certainly as we get into our there. 30s and 40s, it becomes... Yeah. I mean, I've had mm-hmm. issues with mine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Saeed a lot told of people me have. that it was because... And I don't look not a crazy runner. He said it was because I sleep with a heavy blanket. Pushes yeah. my foot down. Yep. Yeah, you sit with, and then he wanted me to sleep with some socks and my feet outside the blanket. Sleep and I was socks. like, that is too far, Saeed. <laughs> I don't know if I could do that. I don't, I don't think far, I could do that either. <laughs> I will not change too that. <laughs> those sleeper socks are rough. So I could never sleep with socks. I wouldn't I wouldn't go for one of those personally. I'd rather just crack into that lacrosse ball and just cause myself more pain. Exactly. I'd rather just come in for my <laughs> monthly tune up and be like, go to work on that calf area. Go through pain rather than wear socks to bed. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> I, it would freak me out so much. I would take the socks off of my kids when I put them to bed. I was like, you can't sleep with those socks. And I would take them off. Well, this Terrible. isn't like an actual sock, too, that we're talking about. Like a sleeper sock is holding your toes towards your shin. So it's extremely oh. uncomfortable. And I didn't realize he was then talking about a specialized sock yeah. that you wanted me to wear. This one has like straps that attach to the side of your feet. You, you hook them to like the sides of your calves so it pulls your foot up towards your shin. Very uncomfortable and definitely not something I would want to sleep with. That's for sure. I'm not going to do that. I will <laughs> that sounds do that. so uncomfortable. But what I will do, you mentioned, is foam roll in lacrosse ball and then coming in, basically 
quickly to get mm-hmm. some of that stuff diagnosed to figure out what's going on with that Achilles pain or the plantar fasciitis pain because it's something to do with that area. Yeah. Yeah, usually it was going to be something to do with that area. Most of the time, like Lee was saying, we're going to take a look at the calf and kind of see what's going on there. Most people that if you're having Achilles pain or plantar fascia type pain, your calf is probably going to be very hypertonic, which means it's just going to be very tight. Okay. So getting that released is obviously a big part of that. But on top of that, we do have to start look up, look up the chain as well. Look up the leg past that because usually um, if you've listened to our hip podcast as well, some of that issue could be coming from the hip. And then that's also a component of it as well. So we don't always just, we don't only just look at the calf, right? That's a big part of releasing, but in terms of improving function, we want to look up the chain a little bit too. Does, does the Achilles itself, do we typically treat like work on the Achilles itself or do we, are we usually working around it? So generally speaking, we're mostly working to decrease the tension in the calf. Um, but there's also, I find a lot of the time, like where that heel insertion is of the Achilles, there's going to be a lot of buildup there. And what that's going to do is that's going to restrict a lot of motion of the ankle itself. So we'll oftentimes see people won't be able to dorsiflex their ankle, so they won't be able to pull the toes towards their shin. Um, but one of the bigger motions is like side to side, like inversion and eversion, we call it, where we're kind of lifting our toes up and in or out and up. Um, and that for us is going to show us that there's probably a little bit extra tissue in the back of the heel there. And that's definitely going to be clouding some nervous function and, and as a result, getting us uh, a discrepancy in our range of motion. So will we do some scraping then in that case, kind of get in there? Yeah. So like some Graston-like therapy Graston. or instrument-assisted soft tissue manipulation, however you want to call it. Yeah. Which um, we have a great demo video of you kind of doing some of that on... Yeah. Tim, I mean, yeah. that was very similar. That's kind of what we're talking yeah, about here, similar. right? That and was that was like, after just kind of like an overuse type thing that I had going on after a CrossFit competition that I did. Really great treatment to do for that. You don't just have to be doing a CrossFit competition for that. But we see that in a lot of people that just putting a lot of load on that lower extremity, putting a lot of load on that calf and that heel. That's when we start to see some of that adhesion going on down around the heel. And that's not something that's really easy to notice on your own. Like that's not something that you're really going to be, it's like, Oh, the side of my, the side of my heel feels tight. Right. It's like, it might, but most of the time it's going to be up in that calf. And then it's our job to look down there and figure out, okay, are we a little, have a little bit of some adhesion going on around that heel as well? Yeah. And the more often you roll your ankles, like sprain your ankles, the more likely you are to have that build up around those areas. Um, your your ligaments of your ankles will start to shorten to as a, more of a protective measure to kind of keep you from getting into a range where you sprain the ankle. And with that, we're going to have other structures around those ligaments that are going to thicken up as well, which that Achilles tendon, that's kind of what I'm describing. I, I mean, when I think about Achilles issues, I always immediately again think about running as the number one mm-hmm. thing that for me triggers an issue in that particular area. Mm-hmm. But it shows up in other sports too, I'm sure. But if it's a running sport that you're into, you probably have have had some Achilles or calf related issues. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like also with running, running tends to be a sport and activity that becomes very anterior chain, kind of quad hip flexor dominant. Um, a lot of runners are very quad dominant. They're not really utilizing their posterior chain very much, like their glutes and their hamstrings. And that's really kind of where that functional piece comes in, where we really want to start to strengthen that posterior chain so that they can actually get to adequate hip extension as they're going through that running cycle. Like as you step that foot onto the ground and you're going back, the other legs coming forward. If we can't get to that full hip extension, we're going to continue to be quad dominant. We're going to continue to be tight in the hip flexor and the quad. And then we're going to continue to underutilize our glutes and our hamstrings so then what's going to make up for that our calf our calf is going to have to make up for that and then like lee was saying as well that dorsiflexion is something that's a huge piece in that as well if we don't if we're lacking adequate dorsiflexion kind of that toes up towards the shin type motion that's also going to force us to be a little bit more anterior chain dominant as well we're not going to be able to get back into that hip extension as well either 
I felt like this is one of those ones that's it's kind of tricky when you're having an issue to resolve it fully on your own. Like I was, it's like a hard area to get into, even with a lacrosse ball. It's kind of awkward. Well, it's tough to get in there with a gun. There's just too many muscles down there. It's really hard to pinpoint the exact muscle unless somebody else is looking at things and testing certain things. Like the other day I had somebody with Achilles tendonitis and it was actually their toe flexors that were causing the issue. So because his toe flexors were so spastic, they were causing him to have more of a toe point or a foot point, like plantar flexion essentially. And that was like a foot claw. Well, not even like well, he has really good toe flexion, so he can like honestly looks yeah. like hands, like he can grab into things. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like he's not able to um, dorsiflex very much because of that, and that's causing some fraying of that Achilles tendon. He's starting to notice it and pain around the heel, and also plantar fasciitis. So it's really hard to to just like listen to what somebody describes and then to pinpoint an exact muscle because there's so much down there. Um, it could be that your arch isn't supporting itself properly and the Achilles is essentially tensioning that plantar fascia to keep it from collapsing. There's so many different factors that we have to look at and the easiest way is just to just get our eyes on it. Yeah, I think that's a really good point just because I think tendonitis, tendinosis, tendinopathy, they're very common diagnoses to give people. Um, and there's a lot of different soft tissue structures that come into play, you know, not besides just the ligaments, besides just the muscles, but we've got nerves as well. Um, and, you know, some people can come in with heel pain and not realize that it's coming from the low back where a lot of, you know, the major nerves that run down the leg begin. Um, and so oftentimes people can think that they have tendinopathy, but really you could have some degree of like sciatica going on and not even know it. Um, and so I think, you know, a lot of the times, like I said, we give we give these um, diagnoses, but we need to make sure that we're really figuring out where the pain's coming from. I think that's a big thing that Ashley just touched on there, especially like, you know, kind of coming down from the low back, the sciatica type thing that you're talking about when really like it doesn't just have to be that textbook sciatica that somebody's having, right? Where they're having shooting pain down the back of the leg or anything like that. It doesn't have to be that. It could just be ex- like, you might just be feeling excessive tension down through like the back of the calf or down into the foot. Not really sure why that's going on. It could definitely be coming up from somewhere higher in the chain in the low back. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's a great thing to realize and something that people might not realize on their own. Totally. And especially if you're like doing all these soft tissue work, like facilitation things and it's not working, it must mean that something else is going on. Yeah, like it, so. This is a, that's a great point. So if you are hitting the foam roller and the lacrosse ball, and you've hit it with the massage gun, and it's still having issues, that's when it's they come in and like figure out what's going on because maybe Absolutely. it's a little bit more complicated than that. What about like a, what about Achilles tears? Mm. So Achilles tears. That's the most common thing. That's why we touched on the muscular tendinous junction. When that guy is really flared up, that's going to put tension on the top end of the Achilles. And then if there's also tension on the bottom end of the Achilles because there's buildup of tissue, any start-stops type of sport. So I'd say the most common way that you see an Achilles tear is somebody playing like volleyball where they're like, they back up from the net and then there's like a short hit. They have to change direction really quick and jump forward. And then there's a big snap. They feel like somebody kicked them in the back of the calf. They try to walk around a little bit and then they realize that their foot's not functioning the way that it normally does. Um, also very common in basketball because mm-hmm. that's a really start, stop heavy sport. Um, football could be football too. Yeah. If you're, especially if you're like a defensive back who back pedals and has to jump and try to jump in front of a route, um, things like that, where it's, it's very quick impact and can be a very fast acute thing like you might not even have tendonitis before that you might just have like low-grade tightness um and that can predispose you to to tear especially people that are a little bit more elevated in age like um like middle-aged people especially Mm -hmm. men 
Yeah, definitely something we see with CrossFit a lot too. And the main thing we're going to touch on with that is obviously double unders and box jumps. Box jumps being the main one. And the main reason I say box jumps because you see a lot of people in the gym doing that rebounding box jump where you like jump down and it's just a quick spring off the ground back up onto the box. Can't tell you how many cases there's been of like people like rupturing their Achilles by doing that. And it's just... I understand sometimes across where you're trying to go fast, you're trying to get a good time. And I totally understand that, but you also have to be cognizant of what's happening in your body. And I think some people, you know, you just need to realize that, that, you know, sometimes just a little bit safer, just go and step down from the box. It might take you an extra second or two. It's okay. It's going to be fine. And then you're going to be preserving yourself from having a pretty significant injury. Yeah. If you look at the box jump, it's interesting. And I'm glad you brought box jumps up because when I think about ruptured Achilles as a CrossFitter, I immediately think about box jumps yeah. because and I, I don't, I haven't rebounded box jumps in a super long time. So box jumps, some say, I, and I don't, you know, I don't have my Wikipedia page open for this, but originated as a Russian strength kind of technique and was never intended to be a high velocity exercise yeah. as it morphed into and became in modern CrossFit where you're jumping off a 24, 36-inch box and immediately bounding back up to the top of that box for yeah. 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 reps, 80, 150, 200 reps in a workout. <laughs> it is madness. And you it's, see elite yeah. athletes tear their Achilles yeah. at the highest level of, of their physical fitness because that structure is it's a terrible exercise. Yeah, and Don't they're bounce. under so much strain. Those, especially those high-level athletes, yeah. they're doing so much volume and everything like that. And I don't want you to think that just it's like, like high-level athletes that can get this. It's no. multiple different people that yeah. can get this, especially with the rebounding type motion that you're talking about. And I think box jumps can be a decent, like a good exercise, you know, like doing the step down. It's an explosive exercise, kind of building some power that way. So I think it can be great. But like you said, when it's high volume like that, really important just kind of watch yourself especially if you've been noticing any achilles tightness calf tightness anything like that would definitely try and steer clear of any sort of rebounding motion like that like every person i know who has torn their achilles that i know personally and i know multiple people who've done it they've done it on a box jump yeah 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 and that comes back to what dr tim was talking about earlier about that posterior chain being yep. underutilized those glutes and those hammies would normally bear that load but instead of those big old muscle structures, like literally the biggest muscles in your body bearing that load, you're putting it into one of the smaller muscles in your body, your calf, and like all those little tiny structures down there. Yeah. You're, you're moving essentially hundreds of pounds of force at that time because you have to accept the landing, and then you have to immediately translate that into a plyometric movement, which is like that start-stop. Whenever you have a quick stretch and then an immediate rebound effect of that, that's when you're going to expose those tendons. So, and that's a pretty major that's a pretty major recovery for that. Like a pretty major process can be up to 18 months for some people. Uh, Yeah. I was going to say it's like a year or longer. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so we, we see people were kind of in that process where they've had surgery and they've had the repair done and then we're kind of helping them get their, their functionality back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And definitely to touch on what Lee was saying too, with that posterior chain strengthening and everything like that, that's kind of where that, you know, kind of the movement patterning, functional patterning piece comes in that we do here, which is, you know, really important in terms of like teaching people how to properly activate that posterior chain and how to use it in the movements that you're doing throughout your daily life, which is a really important task to like do. I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things that I think is, is an issue for so many people regardless of what sport or activity they're doing is that underutilization of their posterior chain, right? So the glute activation is not there. Hamstring activation isn't there. And it's not as just a human being. And this, I suffered from this. Look, I've gotten coached on this. I've gotten help here on this exact issue. It's not something 
that you would even be consciously aware of. Like it, you can feel like your posterior chain is firing. Mm -hmm. So like you're squatting or you're doing, I like, I I do deadlifts all the time. I love deadlifts. But then it turns out that there's, that they're not activating in a bunch of other like exercises or motions or they're activating out of the right sequence. And that's what I was kind of seeing personally. Mm -hmm. I think the missing piece sometimes is like being sports specific, like as a basketball player and as a female basketball player where training really wasn't super like emphasized, like back when I was in high school, it didn't really start till I was in college. But I mean, as a basketball player, you're, you're, you're in a seated position majority of the time, like especially on defense. Um, And again, that puts a lot of stress on all the anterior muscles. Um, And yeah, we can get into the gym, we can get into the weight room and do squats, we can do deadlifts and we can do all that kind of stuff. But really, like, if you're not translating that strength into what you're doing on the floor and on the court, like defensive shuffling, um, quick movements, like sprint side to side type of things, then of course, you're not going to be facilitating the right muscles when you should be. And so that kind of just exacerbates the issue. And I think you know, being a little bit more sports specific is really going to give you that bang for your buck, you know, when it comes to, for example, strengthening that posterior chain. Yeah, we've talked about it in previous podcasts, just that variability of movement, like 3D is in motion, like your calf doesn't necessarily just push you forward and back. Like it also allows your foot to rotate to like accept like a, like a hole in the ground or like stepping on a rock. Like when your ankle mobilizes itself around that structure, that's the calf allowing the ankle to actually rotate properly. And if we're doing a lot of that start stop stuff where we're just going forward and back, we're not really getting that pivot type motion. We're not going to facilitate that calf the way that we should. So certain things might turn off or be under facilitated at that point. It's not that things aren't firing. It's just that they're not firing optimally. If they're not firing optimally, there's going to be a lot of stress in in very small areas rather than the entire chain. Love it. So this is one of those things where if you're having issues, uh, you don't want to just you don't want to just wait around waiting for it to resolve because uh, generally they're not going to resolve on their own. And I can I can personally attest to that. This is a great one to come in where we can do some movement assessment. We can figure out what's happening. We can get some relief going on, maybe some soft tissue assisted, kind of breaking down some of the tissue buildup and seeing what's actually happening and then putting you on a protocol and a program so we can get people moving properly and prevent a major injury like a tear happening, which is such a big bummer. And, and we really don't want to see that happen to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. No. So if you have questions on this, come on in and see us. We have some great videos on calf releases and a variety of other things, too. Uh, But if you have questions, give us a call. Until the next show, have fun. Get out there. Enjoy some of the sunshine that's coming out. And we'll see you in the clinic. Move more.